I remember very clearly a wise man told me a long time ago that he said in a given congregation, there are basically three groups of people. There is one-third, roughly, of the a congregation, any congregation, who are really going through brokenness and going through tough times and going through difficulties. There is the other third who had just come out of tough times and difficulties and testing times. But then there is the third third that's about to get into tough times. Now, I don't wish that to anybody, but take note. If you're not going through it now, you may be, and therefore this message is also for you. In other words, what I'm going to say today from this part of the series of messages, Portrait of Grace from the Life of Jacob, it is relevant to every one of us, to every single person. Whether you are going through brokenness now, whether you're coming out of brokenness, whether you're about to get into brokenness. And if you read any of my books, and particularly if God is in control, you would know that I am no stranger to brokenness, that I'm no stranger to being in the desert alone with God, not knowing which way to turn, physically, literally, in countries where I knew nobody, and God met me in my Bethel. And I want to tell you something. Knowing what I know now, I realize why one of my favorite verses in the Scripture is Psalm fifty-one, seventeen, that a broken and contrite heart God will not despise, because I have seen it, I have experienced it, so hundreds of you would testify to the same thing. But as I look back at those tough times in my life, as those testing times, those times when I'm alone with God, nobody else in the world probably knew where I am at a given moment. As I look back at those times when I was desperate before God, I can testify to you in all truthfulness, there are not fun times. <laughs> there are no picnic. <laughs> there are not times that are ever welcomed by me. There are not times when I look back and say, gosh, I wish I could go through that again. I promise you, I'll be lying to you. These were tough times, and I do not wish to repeat them. But I can also testify to you to the fact that as I look back on those days, as I look back at those times of brokenness, of aloneness with God, times of desert spiritually speaking, even in my life, I can testify also to you that as I look back, I realize these were times of growth in my life. I have done more growing in those tough times than when things are going hunky-dory. <laughs> I look at those times and I realize that were times of me maturing in Christ. There were always been at times of blessing. There have always been the times of strengthening. There have always been times of learning and growing. There have always been times when I am able to meet God face to face like no other time in my walk with Him. There have always been times of experiencing the presence of God in a unique way that I could not have experienced any other way. And so in this series of messages, A Portrait of Grace, today we find Jacob alone. Alone with God. Nobody's there. He is all alone. There is a stone for his pillow. There was the stars for his blanket. There was the hard ground for his mattress. Alone with God. There was no mommy Rebecca to 
tuck him in and take care of him and mother him. <laughs> there was no daddy Isaac there who can give him a blessing. There is no business to keep him busy, to attend to. There was no scheming and planning to occupy his mind. There was no planning that can keep him busy. He's all in the wilderness alone with God. But the most important part, whether you are in it now, whether you have just come out of it, whether you are going into it, the most important thing that I can share with you from the Word of God, not just from my experience, from the Word of God, the most important thing that I can tell you today is this, that you need to understand how God deals with you in your brokenness. You need to understand how God deals with all of us when we're down and discouraged and all alone in the wilderness, whatever my wilderness or your wilderness may be. This is the most important part of this whole message. And so, therefore, I want to show you and read to you what the Bible said when God spoke to Jacob when he was all alone. Remember, he had just deceived his father. He cheated him and got the blessing. He lied to him. He said he was Esau. And Esau is about to kill him, his brother, his older brother, and therefore he is on the run. And his mother said, go, and when your brother's anger cools off, I'll call for you. And so he's on the run. And, you know, because this is back to the future, we saw that he was on the run for about 20 years. And so here's what God said to him in the times when he's down and broken in the desert of his life. Here's what God said. You miserable sinner, you conspired with your mother to deceive your father. You have blown it, and I can't use you anymore. Look at where you are, all alone and desperate in the desert. Don't look up to me for help. I can't help you because you blew it. Did you find it? (laughs) It's not in your Bible, right? No, that's not how God deals with us when we're broken. This is not how God deals with us when we are in the wilderness, even if that wilderness is of our own making. That is not how God deals with us. The way God deals with us when we are broken is not to punch us in the wounds. The way God deals with us when we are down is not to kick us. The way God deals with us when we are burdened with guilt is that He pours out more grace so that He overwhelms us with His grace. The way God deals with us when we are burdened with shame is to overwhelm us with His mercy, is to overwhelm us with His love so that we become speechless in the face of His mercy and grace. And today I have a word from the Lord for all three groups, whether you are in brokenness, out of brokenness, or going into brokenness. I want to tell you three things that you must never forget as you keep them deep in your heart and in your mind, as the Holy Spirit imprints them in your mind and heart. Remember these words. First, rejoice when you are in your Bethel wilderness. Secondly, respond tangibly to your Bethel experience. Thirdly, remember to return to your Bethel over and over and over again. Rejoice when you are in your Bethel. You say, wait a minute, Michael. You just said a few minutes ago... (laughs) that those are miserable times. They're not fun times. They're not a picnic, and you do not welcome them. You don't want them. You rather not go through them. 
how come now you're telling me the first point you make is rejoice in your Bethel? What is this double talk? No, not at all. Listen to me. These times are not welcomed and they're not appreciated, but rejoice. You say, why? Why should I rejoice when I'm going through a tough time? Why should I rejoice when I feel that my world is caving in on me? How can I rejoice? Listen to me very carefully, please. I want to tell you. Because most often, in most situations, in the majority of circumstances, Bethel is the only place where God can get your attention. Fifteen years ago, I was running around, running around, running around, 20 hours a day, 20 hours a day. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was working hard for the Lord. (laughs) I was ministering. I was serving. But then God put me on my back for two weeks. And I can tell you, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, now I got your attention. Now I got your attention. You see, because most often, Bethel is the only place where you are not distracted by other things, even if they are good things. Because most often, Bethel is the only place where you are ready to hear God. And so, if you view your Bethel experience positively, you will see it as an opportunity to have an encounter with God like no other encounter. You'll see it as a place in which you will know God in a way you will never be able to know Him when you're not in it. Instead of seeing it negatively as a place from which you need to flee, look at it as a place in which God will give you great and mighty things you could not get you any other way. And this goes for all of us. It really does. I think without exception, it goes for all of us. And why do I say this? Because I'm I'm assuming on you here, but I think I'm assuming right. And if I know anything about human nature or nothing about me, I know that for most of us, our natural reaction when we get into a Bethel experience, our natural reaction is what? Get me out of it, God. (laughs) Get me out of this. Do something and do it quick. Find a way out for me, Lord. Why haven't you answered my prayers? Why haven't you heard me so far? I've been praying. I've been asking you, Lord, get me out. Instead, rejoice in your Bethel. Why? Because there are dreams that God wants to communicate to you in Bethel, and He can never communicate them to you in any other place. Because there are only blessings that can only be received when you are in Bethel. Because there are special glories that God wants to reveal to you, but He cannot reveal them to you when you're running around 24 hours a day. There are manifestations of God that He wants His children. He wants you, He wants you, He wants you to grasp and take hold of, and these manifestations for His glory to bless you in your life that can only be manifested when you are in Bethel. There are glorious things that the Lord wants you to have that they cannot be given to you when you're on top of the mountain. You have to be in the valley. And what a dream did He give Jacob. (laughs) What a dream. What a vision. Incredible vision that he gave Jacob in Bethel. A stairway to heaven. And you say, well, you know, what's so special about a stairway to heaven? 
and seeing the Son of God and, and angels coming and going. You know, what is so special about this? Well, let me tell you something. How many of you have read the story of the Tower of Babel in the Bible? Know about it at least. You know the word Bab? It means door. It's the same word in all three Semitic languages. Bab-il, that is door to God. That's what Babel means. Some of you probably thought it was about babbling. But now, what it means is a door to God. So what were they doing? They were not building a tower like the towers we see in our modern day. No, no, no. They were building a thing. It was translated tower. But it is a gateway to God. In other words, they were trying to reach God their way. <laughs> they were frantically trying to communicate with God by communicating with the zodiac and the stars. It's very satanic. They are refusing to listen to God and communicate with God God's way. They're doing it their way. And that is why that gateway never took place. But God in His mercy and in His grace, He opens that door. He opens that gateway to Jacob in Bethel. It's incredible. Incredible. God builds a stairway from heaven to earth for Jacob. God is the one who reaches down to Jacob and reveals Himself to Jacob. God is the one who manifests His glory to Jacob. My friend, I want you to listen to me. And this is the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. It is God who's always reaching to us. It is God who always searching for us. It is God who wants to bless us. It is God who always is pursuing us. Not we trying to pursue God can't find Him. <laughs> That's just not biblical. And if you are frantically trying to get things done, if you are frantically trying to find God, if you are frantically trying to get God to do this or that for you, my advice for you is chill out <laughs> and realize that God is saying to every one of us, be still and know that I am God. That I am the one who's pursuing you. That I'm the one who's trying to get your attention, but you're too busy running around trying to do your little thing. And so, that you can hear the gentle voice of God, you have to stop so that you can see the hand of God working and reaching on your behalf. You have to stop so that you can feel the presence of God. God has to take you to a Bethel. In Jacob's case, when all of the scheming and the maneuvering was over, God came down to Jacob in the lowest point of his life. Not when he was on top of the world, but at the lowest point of his life. I told you this is the most important thing you can understand about God, is that when you're down, God will reveal himself to you in ways you can never experience otherwise. And he gives him a glorious dreams. He gives him a glorious vision of the future. And Jacob could not help but conclude at the end of the vision, there in 28, 17, Genesis 28, 17, how awesome is this place. This is no other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And that is why he couldn't care less whether the place was called Luz or whatever other name. He called it Beth, El, Beth, house, El, God, house of God. 
of God. And there he set up an altar to worship the living God. Beloved, I want to tell you, this vision is nothing short of God the Father revealing the coming of Jesus Christ to Jacob 2,000 years before Christ was born in Bethlehem. That is the revelation of Jesus Christ, the only stairway to heaven, the only way to the Father, the only way to heaven. It is the revelation of the coming of the Messiah. What God is saying to Jacob, that Jacob, through your descendants, I will send my Messiah. And through him, the earth will be blessed, whether from the corners of the earth that nobody ever heard about, or the best-known parts of the world. There, they're going to be followers of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That is the blessing that God had promised Jacob 2,000 years before Jesus came in the flesh. What a privilege. At the lowest point, (laughs) in the desert, alone with God, frustrated, not knowing which way to go, alone, desperate. And God gives him a magnificent revelation. Not only that he confirmed to him the promises that he made to his grandfather Abraham, but he assured him that the Messiah will come through him. Do you remember in the book of John where Andrew went up and tried to get Nathaniel? He said, Nathaniel, come. We found the Messiah. We found the one that Moses and the prophets told us about. And then Nathaniel said, I'm not sure. You know, can any really good thing come out of Nazareth? I said, well, just come and see. Yeah, don't take my word for it. Come and meet him. And as soon as he comes, Jesus sees him coming. He said, you're a Jew in whom there is no guile. And he said to him, you will see a vision of a stairwell to heaven and the Son of Man descending. What is Jesus saying to Nathaniel? He said, Nathaniel, I am no other than the vision that my father gave Jacob 2,000 years ago. And Nathaniel became an incredible disciple of Jesus Christ and died a martyr's death. He saw the fulfillment of Jacob's dream in the Lord Jesus Christ. So rejoice when you are in your Bethel. Secondly, respond tangibly to your Bethel experience. One of the tragic things that some of us believers, mistakes that we commit is is that we tend to waste our pain. We waste our testing. We waste our brokenness. We waste our suffering. We really do. And what I'm saying to you in this second point is, please do not waste that wilderness experience. Do not waste your Bethel experience, but rather respond to it tangibly. Jacob responded to God's revelation to him. How? Say, thank you, Lord, and it's all over. No, 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 no. No. He responded tangibly. He responded with a commitment ahead of time. Before the blessing came, he made the commitment. Do you remember how in the life of Elijah, he prayed and stopped raining for three years? And then he knew it was the time for God to fulfill his promise. So he prayed for the rain to come. And then he said to his assistant, he said, run up and see the clouds. I prayed. God is going to answer. So he goes out and comes back. Nope, no, no clouds. Second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time, seventh time, he comes back and said, well, there is a cloud about the size of a hand. (laughs) And Elijah said, hand out the umbrellas. 
You see, that's what Jacob is doing. He's responding ahead of time. Anybody can believe that God can. It is believing whether God will that really matters. And that's what Jacob said. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to respond by a commitment ahead of time, by faith, before it happens 20 years from now. And he responded by taking concrete steps to express his attitude of gratitude. I don't think there is a person who's a believer in Jesus Christ who's not thankful for his or her salvation. I don't think there's a believer in Jesus Christ who's not thankful that Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood so that our sins can be forgiven, that we can be assured from moving from hell to heaven for eternity. But the question is, how do you express that gratitude? Is it something that's in the background of your mind? Occasionally you think about it when you feel a little bit spiritual. Or is it a daily, passionate move of God in your life that affects every decision you make, that affects every move you make, that affects everything that you do in life? Paying lip service to the grace of God does not bring you the blessing. This awesome gift that God has given us. Most Christians sir, barely give a token to God in appreciation of the incredible work that He's done on our behalf so we'll be saved. Listen to what Jacob said. He said, I'll give 10% of all that God will put in my hands. Remember, this was 400 years before the law that says to tithe. 400 years. But here's something I don't want you to miss. Think about this. <laughs> Jacob we've been seeing him throughout the series message, is going to give something. I mean, giving and Jacob, two words just don't go together. All of his life has been a taker. All of his life he had been a go-getter. All of his life has been characterized by give me, give me, give me, give me. (laughs) All of his life was characterized by selfish ambitions. All of his life has been, I'm a self-made man and I'm beholding to no one. That's Jacob. But now at Bethel, all that changes. All that changes because he is transformed by the power of God. Here in Bethel, he responds to the grace of God tangibly. He responds to the grace of God by moving from being a taker to being a giver. You know, statistics tell us that less than 7% of so-called born-again Christians tithe. And far less a percentage even give offering on top of that. And you all, to, to, to all who say, well, you know, tithing belongs to the law, let me ask you this. Does it mean you give more under grace or less? Think about that. Do you give less under grace than under the law? Generous giving is in response to the grace of God. That's what it is. It's in response to the grace of God. You know when the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver, it doesn't mean that God loves the cheerful giver more than he loves the tightwad, you know, (laughs) because God loves us equally. But here's what it means. It means that God has a soft spot for the cheerful giver. (laughs) He says God loves the cheerful giver. He has a soft spot for the cheerful giver. And so Jacob responded tangibly to his Bethel wilderness experience. Rejoice, respond. Thirdly, Remember to return to your Bethel, and whatever your Bethel may be, again 
and again. Jacob's Bethel experience did not transform him into a super spiritual man overnight. Well, we've seen that already. No, no, no. He fell back into his old habits every now and again. Beloved, I want to tell you something. Sanctification or becoming like Christ process, or the process of becoming like Christ, is just that. It is a process. It's a process. It's a process. And you and I constantly, often daily, are faced with temptations. We are often find ourselves in the same territories that we thought we have left long time ago. We often find ourselves drifting into doubt and discouragement and despondency. We often find ourselves in the place of fear and shame. We often find ourselves in the place of uncertainty and unsure of which way to go, which way to turn. Those are the times when you need to go back to your past Bethel experiences. Those are the times when you need to take your mind and your memory back to the times where you experienced God before, to those places where you have encountered the living God, to go back to those places where you have seen God worked on your behalf, to go back to the places where you have experienced God's hand of blessing, to those places where you have seen God moving mountains on your behalf, to the places where you have seen God answered your prayers, to the places where you have seen God overwhelms you, overwhelmed you with His grace. You must keep on going back in your memories to those places. There's no doubt as Jacob, for the next 20 years, went back again and again to Bethel in his mind and his spirit, returned to Bethel again and again. And so, as I said in the beginning of the message, the Bethel experience need not be negative at all. Bethel experience in your life And in my life, they're supposed to be touchstones. They're supposed to be defining moments. They're supposed to be landmarks. They are supposed to be memorial stones to which we are supposed to go back again and again. When you face times of brokenness in our lives, we need to remember and we need to remind ourselves deliberately, intentionally, that the God who did this and that will do it again. That the God who met us then will meet us again. That the God who forgave me then will forgive me again. That the God who blessed me then will bless me again. That the God who touched me then will touch me again. That the God who gave me a dream long time ago can confirm that dream again and again. Rejoice. Respond. And remember, Father, it is in your mercy and grace that we revel and rejoice. And yet, Father, at times, your grace is so generous, lavishingly generous, that we tend to take it for granted, that we think it's due to us, we think it's our right, and we forget that it is your grace. Oh, Father, In the name of Jesus and the power of the blood, I pray for everyone here today who's hearing my voice. 
Father God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will imprint these words on the cortex of our brains, on the, it being folded in, in the folds of our hearts. That, Father, in the days to come, whether those of us who are in Bethel, just coming out of Bethel or going into Bethel, would remember to rejoice and to respond and to return. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.